They're not sitting the bench. They're not playing the game. They're frustrated spectators trying to play every role besides the one that they own. Here is their fraud trying to bring others down to their level. Then Paul goes on to say in verse 19, never mentioning a problem without the solution, that there are two results when we hold to the head, which is Jesus. There will be unity and there will be provision from him for our needs. You see, those determined to dominate who are divisive, Paul says plainly without any equivocation, they are not even holding on to Jesus, but on to the shadow. Paul says they actually deny Christ as the head. And then in verses 20 to 22, here is what I call their fiction. Paul writes, if you have died with Christ to the elementary principles of the world, which he mentioned back in verse 8, why, as if you were living in the world, do you submit yourself to decrees such as do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, which all refer to things which are destined to perish with the using in accordance with the commandments and the teachings of man. Reminiscent of verse 8, verse 22 again, and reminiscent of the words of Jesus when he said to the, the leaders of the Jews, not to the rabble in the streets, to the most religious people in town, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, you deny the commandments of God and substitute the teachings of men. Here is their fiction. What is their fiction? It is that you can please God in a way of your own choosing. That is fiction. You ever hear anybody say, well, we all want the same things. Oh, really? If you're not doing it God's way, it demonstrates that you don't want God's way. If you're not doing it God's way, it demonstrates that you don't want Jesus to be glorified because God knows better how to glorify Him than we do. This is their fiction. It's a fantasy. It's a lie. Even in the Old Testament, which is supposed to be so legalistic, Samuel said to Saul the king, the Lord says, do you not know I desire obedience rather than ritual? To the prophet Micah, the Lord delivered a message which he conveyed. And Micah said, what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love mercy and to walk humbly with thy God? Micah said, do I want thousands of rivers of oil and tens of thousands of burnt offerings? These were the rituals, the shadow, the outward things, and we have our counterpart to them. Micah said, quoting the Lord, do I want all of those things? No. What I want is obedience to my word. This is their fiction. You see, man is a religious creature. All men are religious. Nobody is atheistic. Perhaps there are atheists, some, somewhere, in the sense that they do not believe in a creator, God, but make no mistake, every man has a God. Man is religious. 
man will commit himself to something. But there is only one way, and that is God's way. And beloved, there is nothing in God's universe that guarantees that just because we are his people and we've always done it some way or we want to do it some way, there is nothing to guarantee that that's God's way. Not one thing to guarantee that. Nor is there anywhere God gives us the right because we are his to decide what, how, and when to do it. This is the fiction that they pass. Satan will never cease, no matter how high you go spiritually, he will never cease trying to get you to substitute something for obedience to God. He will never cease. Now, Paul tells us in another passage of Scripture, several as a matter of fact, that we are all members of the body. But let me ask you, how many heads does the body have? then how long is the body going to last if everybody tries to act like the head? Old preacher in East Texas says anything with more than one head's a freak. Now, there's only one way, and it's God's way. We are all members of the body, but a diseased member of the body, even it's the end of the pinky, becomes a threat to the health of the whole thing. And there are times when through disease or accident that a body, that a member of the body, the human body's connection is severed from the head. And when it is, if it is not removed, it will destroy the rest of the body. There's one head over all rule and authority, Paul said in verse 10 of this chapter, and that is Christ. Nothing need be added to his way. Nothing need be taken away from it. The Pharisees added to it, these Judaizers. The Gnostics took away from it. And it is always sin. You see, outward things cannot make you holy. That's the fiction of these. And then in verse 23, here is their fruit. Notice carefully, he says, referring really to the whole chapter, these are matters which have, to be sure, the appearance of wisdom in self-made religion and self-abasement and severe treatment of the body, but are of no value against fleshly indulgence. They are of no value against fleshly indulgence. What is the fruit of this way of life? Nothing. No fruit. There is none. They have only an appearance of wisdom. Now the phrase translated self-made religion can just as accurately be translated self-willed worship. Self-willed worship. The idea that we really are free in Christ as priests before God to do what we think best. Now, you know, priesthood of the believer is one of the precious doctrines of Christianity. But I want to remind you about something. The priest was a man who worked for God 
He was not the prophet. He didn't have anything to do with management or government. He was a man who worked for God. And the priest, if you read through the law of Moses, had to do everything he did according to the strict commandment of God. And if you want to see what happened to the priest when they didn't do what God said, you can find it in the book of Numbers, I believe, where two sons of Aaron, the first high priest, the brother of Moses, had some self-willed worship. They came in before the altar of God and they did things their own way and God killed them. Oh, don't get mean. I'm not getting mean. I'm reading the Bible. Call God mean. The priest never did anything the way he wanted to. He did it the way God said, and that's a perfect picture of what God demands us from us as Christians. Here is the fruit of this way of life. It is nothing. There is no fruit. You see, the, the valuelessness of this is seen in that self-willed worship and self-denial, and by the way, self-denial is exercising discipline to control self, but that's not what Christianity is all about. Christianity is about the self-life going to the grave so that Jesus can live in us. And when you practice self-denial, don't be proud of yourself, which is the mother of all sin, pride. Rather repent that self is still alive and ask Jesus to fill you with his Holy Spirit. Self-willed worship and self-denial cannot make you a better Christian. Paul says they are of no value against fleshly indulgence. We think of fleshly indulgence in terms of what we do. Jesus said you can do nothing outwardly and still be full of self because it starts on the inside. You see, we can even gloat in carnal pride over outward things that we don't do. But remember that if you walk in the Spirit and Jesus is Lord, you have a new nature which will produce a righteous life. And to produce so-called righteousness in any other way is of no value. Only Christ can bridle the old nature. I'm not saying you ought to make peace with the fact that you sin. Never make peace with sin. I'm saying the only way you'll ever have victory over it is to go to the cross every day and let Jesus live his life in you. You see, the power to be righteous is found only in his indwelling presence. You will find what you need today to walk in the Spirit the same place you found what you needed when you were saved. Colossians 2, 6 says, As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord by faith, so walk in Him. Hold on to Him. Focus on Him. Is there something you can't be free of? And the sad truth is, many times there are things we don't want to be free of. Is there something you can't get victory over? Is it an inward sin? Lust? Prejudice? Resentment, bitterness, unforgiveness? Is it an outward sin, a habit? Is there anything you can't get free of? If there is, it is because Jesus is not Lord of your life. 
because everywhere Jesus is Lord, he will live his life. And if you are dead to sin and alive to him, as Romans 6 commands us, then the old nature will not pull on you. It will pull on Jesus, and he can handle it. Focus on him. And is your sin worth the price you're paying for it? Do you know that those inward sins which Satan tells us to justify because they don't hurt anybody else are destroying you? Do you know a person who is bitter about anything? Medical science has proven this. A person that's bitter, eaten up with jealousy or revenge or hatred or unforgiveness will age five times faster than somebody that isn't. Are you willing to die for that sin? You're going to. Or would you let Jesus be Lord? Is what you're getting out of struggling in the power of your flesh to be good worth the price you're paying for it? If not, then let everything go but Jesus. May we pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the fact that your word never covers what we are, but that it never conceals what we can be through commitment to Christ. Now, Father, we've had enough of the shadow. We've suffered under the delusion that the few decades of our existence compares with the eternity of your pre-existence and your eternal word. Free us from the domination of lesser things and may we as members which are connected to the head of the body which is Jesus be in full submission to that headship. May we let everything go except him May we realize that only in Him will be found any of the good things and any of the good life and any of the fulfillment and the purpose for which we were created. By Your grace, through no merit of our own, minister life to our spirits. Touch us where it hurts. And as we repent and confess, may you restore us to spiritual health.